This is the bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Vans, the king of shoes, killing shit since 1966. Son. Thank you, Omar. I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm D Jones. As always, I got my main man, the ghost, with me, and we got Ants One behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Ghost, it's a sad day for me and you. Been a rough week. The weekend was the roughest part. But uh, here we are, living on to fight another day. Episode 9. Tell them what we're working with. Big Ep, bro. This is a season of just bear legends left, right, and center. We go on back down memory lane with triple og lee smith just a fucking real one city star street cinema one of our favorite videos growing up but he'd already been putting in work way before that but it was nice to pick his brain see where he's at these days lee's a real one super hyped to have him on the pod then we take him you know straight to the post office some great emails some awesome voice notes uh some mac canadian stories you know what i'm saying doesn't get much better and then the rundown a devastating week here at the bun for dono and i his beloved leafs my beloved warriors done done but uh the conference finals are winding up and it's an exciting time in the sports world despite our broken hearts make sure to follow us on instagram at the bunt live subscribe to us on youtube at the bunt hit us up on our patreon patreon.com slash the bunt and then head over to the brand new section the bunt jam everything you need to know about last year's event and what's coming up this year and the web store lives on my favorite term donald's least favorite it's a quick strike go get yourself a tee a hat maybe some shorts get yourself ready for summer man it's out here bunt gear is back people been bugging us so we had to do a little something something you know what i'm saying make it pop over at thebuntlive.com do not wait because it will not last man ghost you do the dirty work so we don't have to last week and the week before talking shit about our very own friends giving them a backhanded shout out let me uh hear something very sincere and from the heart about your favorite clip of the week a shout out's a shout out take it where you can get it <laughs> mason and johnny you fucking bastards actually no that ju- that just goes to that that was only towards Jeez. mason not johnny johnny's a sweetheart uh this week shout out of the week easy one vans put out some fire the down under squad made it pop crocodile dundee styles you know what i'm saying just getting gnarly in it all oh, right that's uk but <clears throat> love the video uh I think there's a new legend alert out there. Uh, I, comparisons aren't the best because I know this kid's going to be his own person, but there were little hints and flashes of uh, Shane O'Neill in this new young ripper I'd never heard of. Rome Collier. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but holy shit, he is light-footed a la Shane O'Neill. 
hopping on big ass rails with just impeccable style uh really looking forward to a full part from him in the future and just seeing what his career is going to become because he legit has like mega legend potential uh cool to see him <clears throat> vans y'all got a real one keep it going and then last part in the same video shared part by uh, simon zuzik and i think i've given this guy a shout out of the week before digby luxton love his style mm -hmm. but these two dudes uh went off and holy shit last trick in the video uh i mean it's not going to be a spoiler alert because the video has been out a few days now switch back heel to like back 180 nose grind front 180 out i call it the curtis call monaco rest in peace legend but uh love that trick and uh the whole edit was just a fun one man shout out to vans australia and uh fly me and dono out we're just gonna keep begging till it happens Get the bunt to Australia, baby. We'll do a Much live show with Digby. And long overdue. Yeah, let's do something, man. <laughs> and uh, I rarely do this, but Seifo was occupied this week. We need to shout out Rowan Davis going pro for girl. That part was insane. And Down just under. this line in the caption from Thrasher. Thrasher's been having to write captions on skate videos for endless amount of years. And... They still coming up with fresh takes, combining undeniable ledge work with an insatiable appetite for hammers. <laughs> that quote right there is some top-notch journalism and had to shout out Rowan Davis, make sure we got that on there. I'm sure he'll be on the pod one day too. Uh, for sure, big fan. He's uh, so fucking buck. Oh yeah, him and uh, O'Grady, man. The one-two gnarly youthful punch from down under these days. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Why do I keep saying that? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we love Australia, and fuck, we got to get out there. Come on, Nick. Get us out there, man. So like the ghost said, we've got Lee Smith in the building. Not much needs to be said. Been in the skate game for a long, long time. Long overdue interview here inside Studio E. So only one thing left to do before we get it popping. We are going to order ourselves some pizza from Maker. You can order online or visit in-store. Downtown Queen and Spadina, Uptown Avenue Road in Lawrence, Eastside Gerard and Carla, or like I said, online using the Maker app available on iOS and iTunes. We're going to get a couple skinny pizzas. I'm going to get the cheese. Save is going to get the pepperoni. couple baby gem salads. We each taking a pound of wings home. He's going with some ginger ale. I'm going to mix it in with some water, and then you know exactly what it is. That's the meal right there. Go get yours. Maddie Matheson, tell them what they get when they order Maker Pizza. This is literally the best pizza in the world. All right, Ghost. Let's get this interview popping, baby. So much for your pizza break, eh? Maker, the only za. All right, we've got Lee Smith in the building today. What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Thanks for having me. I feel, uh, I feel honored. Hell yeah! To be here, I'm I'm an old old school guy. It seems to uh, people still want to know what's up with me, so that feels cool. Fucking <laughs> right, man! Yeah. Thank you for being here, dog. <laughs> so Lee, we start every show off the same. You got to hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. Damn, that's a crazy one. Hmm. I think a good moment that comes to mind was when I wasn't there for it but I heard about it that um Keenan and Sheffy they were on a Maddox tour in Europe 
And I remember hearing the story, so I wasn't there. I don't know if that counts, but um, what what just what just came to my mind was that I guess they were on a Maddox tour, and Sheffy was punking on um, JB Gillette, uh, and yeah. and uh, Keenan like stuck up for JB and was like, "Yo, leave him alone." And then uh, Sheffy was like, "What the fuck you gonna do?" And then Keenan punch <laughs> <laughs> Keenan Keenan punch Sheffy in the face. Damn. <laughs> and everybody thought that um, Sheffy was going to go crazy, but he was one of those situations where he kind of just like laughed because it was yeah. so unexpected. That was a good one. And I remember now that I'm thinking of that, uh, I, think of, I think about a lot of fights. I remember like <laughs> we, we, used to, we used to go to Vancouver every summer. I remember like at the, there was a story of some Jamaican dude in Vancouver at the Slam City Jam at one of the parties. And I guess he like... Took to, took his shoes off and he like whooped everybody's ass. I, I was there for that. <laughs> he he whooped Damn. like Sheffy's ass, Greg Carroll's, like everybody. All the tough dudes stepped up and got got handled. But wow, Damn. I guess I, I think kids don't really fight anymore. So maybe nah, that's a difference. Not, not like they used to. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> a little crazier now. It's too dangerous. <laughs> but pro skaters don't really. They, pro skaters don't really like fight each other anymore. Yeah, that's true. Like not like in the nineties. Everyone has to love each other environment nowadays, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Ruffling feathers is frowned upon. Was right. this guy a, a skater or just a random no. dude? No. No, he was just a random dude who was at the club. And I guess <laughs> he just was like, fuck you guys. Because it was like skaters taking over Slam City Jam everywhere yeah. we went. And some right. dude, dude just got sick of it and was like, Enough. I'm going to fuck you guys up. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's Damn. wicked. Hats off to him. I, I mean, not that the homies got beat up, but I just mean, <laughs> I someone, mean they got, anytime <laughs> someone will like fight anybody, that's pretty like badass, you know? They got beat up like just enough to where it's still funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it didn't sick. cross the line where you're like, okay, damn, damn, they really got like hurt. It no, was, it was more the hospital the, or anything. No, their egos got hurt more than anything. I yeah. Think, so. <laughs> So uh, we take us back. Wait, to the wait, wait, we didn't do sports moment. We oh, missed shit. our sports, oh, my sports moment. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, we doubled up on the skate shit. moment. Shit. I think that, I think the, I mean, I'm not a big sports guy, but I think the thing that comes to mind is when the 49ers won uh, the Super Bowl in 1986. And I lived in San Francisco in the Excelsior district, and the whole city went crazy. And I was like eight years old, and I was just running Damn. around like a fucking maniac joe montana had like one yep. it, it was like a memorable moment that's, that's pretty up. dope that's not the last time they won or, or is it no 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 that was just a time when i was like super young and was just on some classic okay. frisco was shit, the jerry man. rice era after that he was with i think joe i think montana. he was with it was oh, joe montana yeah. jerry rice duo. together right, yeah right, exactly right. sick yeah exactly some legendary shit yeah. Before my time as a football yeah. fan. Actually, before <laughs> yeah. I was born. Did you say 86? Yeah, I believe it was 86. I could be wrong, but... I, it's but 85, then, yeah. I think it was. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it was around then. Sick. Yeah. So, Lee, man, take us back to the beginning. Where did you grow up and how did you get into skating? I grew up in the Bay Area in San Francisco, but I got into skating living in Oakland, kind of like in the hills. And... um I mean, I, I got a skateboard as a toy for Christmas, and I used it as a toy for, like, probably, like, 
a good three or four years just going down hills like on on like butt boarding and like I didn't even try trick that wasn't even a concept I didn't even understand like I never saw any other skaters or anything like that and then one day uh um there was a book fair at school and there was a book about skateboarding and it had Jeff Kendall and all these dudes in it and they're going off like jump ramps and shit and then that sparked my interest into it of like um realizing that there was more to skateboarding than just like going from A to B. Right. So but even till that was like I was I was real young. I was probably like 8 or 7 or 8 or something like that. But then I didn't I had I moved away to Michigan after that got into BMX, didn't even skate or anything and moved back to San Francisco around 8990 and that's when it really like I discovered Embarcadero, and then it just all kind of like took off from there. Sick. So I used I used the skateboard for years, like not even knowing anything about skateboarding, mm-hmm. like as a as a sport, if you want to call it a sport. But. Yeah. yeah. So, what would you consider to be your first big break in the skate industry? I mean, I guess it would be. Just, I mean, I got, we all got geographically lucky growing up in San Francisco, being at Embarcadero, Mm -hmm. having Thrasher magazine right there in our backyard. I mean, just, those are all advantages that you have straight out of the gate. Greg Carroll gave me board, think boards, like as a, but he just gave them to me as a young kid. But I think the biggest break was when uh, Mark Gonzalez came to Embarcadero and he just started giving me boards and... I, I rode for ATM Click. He started, and I started going down to Huntington Beach and skating with him. And yeah, that was a moment that was pretty insane for me. I remember just really tripping on that. Yeah, how next level was Mark back in the day? You know, I talked about this um, with 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 Mike Burnett. We were talking about it last time I saw him. Was that at that time, like it was like after video days mm-hmm. and before like cricket and all that, obviously. So I think Gans was kind of like in a weird period where like people weren't really checking for him mm, at that yeah. moment. Like, <laughs> like he wasn't, he kind of had to like, I, I, I mean, people might, I might get backlash for this, but he kind of had to reinvent himself, like not reinvent himself, but like he, he at that point in time, he was just kind of like hang, living in, in Long Beach, like skate. He had his, this brand Cools, which is a clothing company. And he had ATM click, and he really wasn't doing much skate-wise. I mean, he had me and Steven Callis and a bunch of guys on the team. and um, But we didn't, like, do tours. We didn't do videos. We didn't do, we didn't do anything. We just, like, <laughs> would make funny. <laughs> we would make funny 411 skit, like, like 411 commercials. And basically, me and him, we would just sit around his house and, like, draw all the time. <laughs> It's <laughs> not bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was cool. And then Ron Chapman would come over, and then me and him would get drunk. And then Mark, <laughs> and then Gons would be mad and leave us. Eventually, eventually, I went from staying at Gons's house to staying at Ron Chapman's house because I think <laughs> I think Mark was a little fed up with me, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> oh man! Can you tell us about meeting Carl Watson? Back in those days, too, I remember he told us he wasn't 
the most popular guy when he was first coming onto the scene, but what was it like when you guys clicked? Carl said he wasn't? He wasn't the most popular guy? Yeah, I feel like he said maybe it took him a little while to get, like, some respect and just kind of, like, be one of the guys uh, early EMB days. Yeah, because when I met him, he was – that had to have been before my time oh, because okay. when, I, when I met him, he was already I – I mean, he was already sponsored. Mm. Like, he was already in Dogtown. He had, like, ad, ad, Dogtown ads and all these things. But I, uh, we went to the same school, and then I was skating in my neighborhood in San Francisco, and I just saw him, and I think Marcus was there, Marcus McBride, LeVar, maybe Pat Washington, and a bunch of other guys. And Carl was like, yo, I saw you at school. I didn't know you skate. Let's hang out. And then uh, the next day we, like, went to his house, and he gave me – I think he gave me a think board and some Venture Magnesiums, and we went to Embarcadero, and, like, I just was hooked from that point on. <laughs> Dude, what a fucking day. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Holy shit. What yeah. a blessing, too. <laughs> hooked you up, yeah, dog. He wild. must have liked yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. He he definitely, like, kind of, I was, like, his little, his little homie um, at the time, and we kind of just started skating together, and then... Uh, yeah, I don't know, just snowballed from there. That's what's up. It did take me a while to, like, I, I, w- I like, wasn't skating good at all at that time. It took me, like, another year or so to, like, learn kickflips and shove-its and all that shit. Yeah, but like you said, when, you know, when you're just using it kind of as, like, a mode of transportation, it takes mm-hmm. a while to be around guys who are skating to really get into it. But, hey, the time paid off, right? Right, yeah. And then, like, you know, you had guys that were, like, you know, would try to push you, but most of the people would just talk shit. Yeah. They'd, like, tell you you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and they make fun of you, you know? So it's not the most empowering situation to be in, but it does, I guess it does work in the end. You kind of push yourself to try to get better. But it's funny. We hear, like, a lot of stories from guests who we've had on who talk about the early days of EMB, and it's kind of, like, similar to how how our crew was when when we were younger we're just kind of like a little bit hard on each other you know to create Mm -hmm. the thick skin that like life's gonna you're gonna need for life you know what i mean right is that kind of what it was like oh totally 100 percent. i mean you every once in a while like somebody would pull you to the side and be like give you some kind of like heartfelt you know like praise and respect but most of the time it was just like shit <laughs> it was like yeah. just straight shit talking even the they might they might hate on you and then be like nah but that was sick though you did that <laughs> like you that like you know they throw a jab first and then be like okay yeah. it was cool i like how you did that though <laughs> i like that man yeah so tell us a little bit about the importance of uh james kelch at uh emb man he seemed like he was kind of like not not the enforcer, but he would, he would protect the guys from all the shit going on. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of like he was the enforcer, and he he was the mayor, and fucking. I mean, I, I was tiny, so like at this point, like I was so little that like nobody dudes used to come down and try to like rob people it was like the 90s you know things were worse like people would go around the city robbing people and like punking other people and fucking with everybody would fuck with everybody not even skaters just anybody around that same age group and 
dudes would try to come down to Embarcadero and try to fuck with us. And, like, James would always be the one to have to, like, step up and, like, set it off for the crew. You know what I mean? Like other dudes, other dudes would come through after, but like James would be the one who kind of like, you know. I remember there was one time, there was this crazy story of like James stuck a wrench in some dude's head, like was beating some guy in the head with a wrench, and then it like, <laughs> and then it like <laughs> stuck into his head or something like that. <laughs> Which, as an adult, sounds like um, attempted murder. But <laughs> when you're a kid, you're like, whoa, that's crazy. James stuck a wrench in the fucking guy's head. Um, I remember that. There was a day when, uh, I don't know, if in the back of Embarcadero, there's like a little wave. And then everybody used to chill on this wave in, in the sun and like drink 40s and shit. And some kids, some other like... I don't know, some, like, frat bro kids came from behind the wave and threw firecrackers over the wave onto everybody that was chilling right there. And, like, I think James went and, like, single-handedly beat, beat like, two or three of them up by himself while, while everybody laughed. It was pretty funny. Damn. Big man thing. There was one day, though, some, some dude, some hood dude, like, big-ass dude, like, 6'4", came down and punked like the whole Embarcadero crew. Damn. Like nobody nobody wanted to fuck with him. It was crazy. And we all kind of like surrounded him and he's like, who, he's like, which one are you gonna, like, uh, let's go. I'll take any of you guys on. And like, <laughs> nobody stepped all looking up. at each other like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this usually works. The power in numbers when right. you're a kid usually is like the most flawless approach. You're like, there's like 30 of us here. You're not gonna do anything, but. Right. Oh, Something man. about this dude, yeah, nobody nobody stepped up to him. But there's like a million fucking stories like that. It's rough and rowdy down there at EMB, man. I love how you remember that specifically <laughs> to this day, just that group shame. Like, <laughs> no one was stepping up. <laughs> well, there was this dude from Philly. His name was Roger Brown, and he was, he was pretty big, big black dude. And the guy... St- pointed at him and was like i'll take you oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and i think roger who's the sweetest dude ever i mean he could fuck you up probably if he wanted to but he was like nah i'm good <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. so that, that specific moment was like kind of ingrained in my head it's a hectic one um yeah i mean you just gave us a bunch of stories but when you think back on that era i'm sure the people love hearing about it there's so many like famous spots with eras where all we can do if it was before our time was just hear stories about them. So what's, uh, what's your favorite story that comes to mind from the EMB era? I think it's, I don't really have a particular story. I think it's just kind of the, everything that it created and the legacy. Cause EMB kind of like, it, it really was a flash in the pan. It was like maybe two, it was really popping for like two or three years, which is not that long. Mm-hmm. But what it created from, like, you know, all of these kids that grew up in the Bay Area and different areas coming together at this place, half of them went, half of us went pro, other half started their own companies. You know, you got Mike Carroll, you got Nick Diamond, you got fucking DGK. I mean, he's from Philly, but he had a, SF had a big influence on him. 
And I mean, just to name a few, and I really, what the thing that I'm most proud of and what I, what, when I think about EMB is the, the legacy and like all that it contributed to in the skate community across the world, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I mean, from all the skaters, Carl Watson, Henry Sanchez, Javante to like LeVar and the influence is, was crazy and I think to this day... That's crazy to think it was only a couple of years. Yeah. I think to this day, I mean, you know, it had... I mean, even Girl Skateboards, EMB had a lot of influence on that. And, like, I just feel like the legacy is, you know, its most important thing. What do you think about the uh, the new age EMB? It's kind of back last couple of years, too. Yeah, yeah, I see that. They like skate the uh they skate things we didn't skate back then. Well, they don't have the things we skated don't exist for one. Yeah. Like the C block and all the ledges we had, but we would never think to like I mean, it wasn't even you know how people f- skate like flat curt like ri- yeah. ride on grinds and stuff like that. That would yeah. that would never fly back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> even though it's sick. Like mm-hmm. the the tricks that people do, like like ride on, slide over the steps and tail slides and shit. Yeah, that shit is fire. But you know that we would never do that. And I love seeing people skate there, though. It's sick. It looks dope. Yeah. And they just jumping into the fountain and skating like around the fountain and shit. Yeah. I think Bill Strobeck ha- has a lot to do with that. Yeah, the fountain stuff's dope. For Miles sure. Silvis, fucking mm-hmm. switch flipping into the fountain. Massive. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Super crazy. So before we move off from that era a little bit, can you just give us a, a, a gone story from your time with him? This isn't really... I'll tell you two things. This The first one isn't really a story, but you know there's the gap at Embarcadero called the Gons, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The kickflip gap? Yeah, well, he ollied it first. Mm-hmm. And then, but it was it was from that point on. He was like it was the it was the Gons, and it was funny because every time he came to Embarcadero, and he talked about the Gons, he would never say the Gons. You know, <laughs> he'd be like, you know, that one gap at Embarcadero, and you'd be like, which one? And he's like, you know, the big one, over <laughs> like the biggest one. And then you'd be, and then we, I realized I was pretty young, but still, I realized like, oh, it's the Gons, and he doesn't want to say the Gons. Keeping it humble. <laughs> And yeah, so it was funny. We always used to fuck with him and like try to make him say the guns, but he would never <laughs> say it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think a good story, a story, a good Mark Gonzalez story is like, I was hanging out with him in Long Beach and, and um, we were driving on the 405 and we got in, he rear-ended somebody. I think he had a Mustang. Old school Mustang, man. It was it was a dope car, but he he rear-ended somebody on the 405, and I was really big into graffiti at this time, and um, I had this shirt. Well, let, let me first of all, we he rear-ended some into somebody. We both pulled over. Highway Patrol came, and I had this shirt with like graffiti all over it, and the Highway Patrol was like, um, "What's up with that shirt?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, well, you know, what, what, where are you from? What gang you claim? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't claim any gang. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you better be careful because you got all these graffiti and like crew shit all over your shirt, and you got to be careful with that because, uh, you know, this is L.A. and this is the '90s, and like, you can get in trouble, you can get in a lot of trouble. And I was like, yeah, whatever, bro. 
And then we left, and then, like, Mark gave me, like, a stern, like, dad lecture. Of, like, <laughs> like, I think, <laughs> I think, because remember when I said, like, me and, me and Ron would, like, drink yeah. and Mark would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he was, he, that was his moment where he's like, okay. And he's like, dude, you got to, he, I remember him telling me something like, you got to, you know, all the gangster shit, like, stop listening to Menace to Society, stop drinking, you know, you're smoking, you're acting like a tough guy, but you're not really a tough guy. And then, and then I was just like, I was like 15 or 16. I was like, I had an attitude problem, probably, of course. And like, <laughs> the things that he was saying, he wasn't wrong. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he was actually right. And in fact, like, he was probably looking out for me but at the time I didn't find I wasn't like offended or anything but I kind of like just was like ah, like a teenager like oh you don't know what you're talking about you're yeah, crazy. yeah brushed it off but uh <laughs> yeah but um yeah and then I just think it's funny because he kind of was the first everybody else in my life at the time was like in, in this in San Francisco at Embarcadero everything was the opposite everybody was telling you to be a tough guy everybody mm-hmm. was telling you that if somebody f- steps up to you, you have to like defend yourself. And he was the only person who told me the opposite. And I think that he was right to this day. Damn. <laughs> oh, Wise one, man. <laughs> exactly. So do you guys still keep in touch today? Um, I see him. He lives in New York, so I see him mm-hmm. around. There's been times where I've seen him like at the grocery store and I'd be like, there's guns. Do I feel like talking to him? And I'll be like, I've literally like cool guy guns. I'm like, nah, I'm not in the mood right now. <laughs> but other times, uh, my friend Quentin Debris, he's like this photographer guy. He he shot like a Supreme campaign with Mark, and he like basically just hired me as a funny, just to hire his friend, just to, so I could be there. And I was like the photo assistant, so we like did that job with Mark. That was like a couple of years ago, but That's I see him around. I see him around the city. Yeah, he like skates around with his kid and stuff. Nice. Hell yeah. yeah. If you look up "legend" in the dictionary, or better yet, Google the term "legend," there is a good chance that Vanessa Torres will pop up. CHPO brand are proud to release her fourth pro model. Yeah, that's right, fourth. A forest green frame made from recycled stainless steel. Available in your favorite skate shop and at chpobrand.com. And as always, use the code THEBUNT for a 20% discount. CHPO brand, always doing it for the people. So how'd your relationship with Kareem Campbell begin? And uh, if you got a story about Remo, we need that one too, man. (laughs) The thing with Kareem was that it all trickled down from 6040, ATM 6040 with Mark Gonzalez. When Kareem started Menace, he took a lot of the writers that skated for those companies like me, Fabian Alomar, Joey Suriel, Stephen Callis. Well, he actually, I mean, those all those guys got on the team first, and then Kareem was like, yo, we, I'm looking for an AM skater. And they were like, well, we had this dude, Lee Smith from SF, that we used to skate for uh, with 6040. On, he, we skated for the same team as him, and then Kareem came up to Embarcadero, and like, I guess I kind of did like a little 
tryout or skate with him or whatever and happened to land a couple tricks and i guess he was impressed by that and <laughs> it kind of just went from there I, I to be to be perfectly honest when i think about it it's like pretty it came like way it all came way too easily like skating for mark gonzalez's company and then skating for kareem without even trying it kind of just really I don't know. It just seemed like I just felt like everything was real easy and that the rest of life was going to be like that easy. (laughs) 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 I mean, I was only 17. I was like, well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Those were two of the most legendary skaters at the time. And I was just Mm -hmm. kind of put my head in a la la land. Do you remember a little bit about that day you had the the live tryout with Kareem, man? Like, take us through like what's going on in your head trying to skate that day while while Remo's there. <laughs> yeah, I remember we like we went to we were skating at this spot next to Embarcadero called Mini Hubba. I mean, it wasn't like obviously it wasn't like a tryout, but I know he was like checking me out or whatever, and so we just skated around. And uh, we ended up at um, Bay Blocks, which are those blocks with the ledge on top, like Mike Carroll mm-hmm. gap over to Tailside. I'm sure you guys been. We ended up skating there, and I did a line where I was filming, and like all these New York dudes were there, like Chris Keefe, and um, I'm sure like it was probably like Mike Hernandez, all the like what later became Zoo York or whatever. And these dudes were out, and like. I did a line where I did like back tail, fakey, fakey flip, switch tail. And that ledge was like kind of considered like kind of a high ledge at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty small. So I guess that was like one of the things that kind of really, which is obviously a super easy line by today's standards. But I guess when you're a little kid in the the early 90s, that was pretty impressive to... Big Remo. That's so sick. (laughs) Big Reem. (laughs) Was that like the time that he was getting into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, or was it that a little bit later? Like, were you around him during that time? Yeah, I was around him during that time, but that was like a few, that was years later, I think. Hmm. I think that was more towards like around like City Star stuff. Yeah, okay. I want to say something interesting, though, because Kareem's Menace obviously was a company that had like, Later it was DGK, but before that, Menace had like this urban kind of, um, you know, black and Latino like thing. That was the image of the company. But it, interestingly enough, um, 6040 and ATM were was kind of like the first company that had only black and Latino skateboarders. It just wasn't marketed as that. Mm-hmm. And somebody pointed that out to me later. That like yeah that was the that was the first real company that was all like people of color like the one company with people of color, but mm-hmm. nobody ever thought about it that way because it wasn't that wasn't how it, like I said right. I repeat myself but it wasn't marketed that way yeah oh, that's pretty cool ATM yeah. man used to skate those all the time <laughs> so City Stars P Rod Mikey Taylor join up. What was it like working on street cinema and you got this injection of youth? Uh, pretty nerve-wracking, to be honest. By that point in time, like most of the old, like Billy Valdez wasn't on the team anymore. Uh, Joey Surreal was kind of, he was still on the team, but he was kind of on his way out. 
Um, all those kids were just so good. Like, and, you know, for them to be AMs and to, for me to be one of the pros, it was like, definitely fucks with your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> P-Rod was just out of this world. Mikey Taylor was insane. And Ryan Denman, all those kids were super good. But at that point in time, like, I was so wrapped up in skateboarding, but wasn't really, my life was kind of out of control. Like I didn't, I was living in LA and I wasn't making good money and I was just kind of like struggling. And I, instead of, you know, thinking of how I can continue in skateboarding in another way, I kind of just like partied a lot and tried Mm -hmm. to film tricks and like, kind of just felt bad about myself because the ams on the team were like better than than i was but so it was a as much as i love all those dudes that time in skateboarding was a little was a little nerve-wracking to be Mm -hmm. honest Mm -hmm. well i mean looking back now it's like p-rod became one of the greatest of all time so (laughs) no need to feel too bad but that's what i was gonna say right exactly You can take it a little bit easier on yourself now, knowing he's like a generational talent. I know, know? I know. (laughs) But I heard that, um, well, I listened to some of your interviews before we did this, that that you sold the City Stars chain, man. I sold the City, I didn't, I pawned the City Stars charm that Mm -hmm. had, and it had like little diamonds in it. And I, I just never had the money to buy it back. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. I probably I was just pretty irresponsible in those days and like I didn't even I probably like missed the date that I had to buy it back and all that shit. Yeah. So and then I think they like Kevin Garnett and Uncut Gems, man. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I still have the Menace pendant though. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, which is more of a classic one. Yeah. So. So after the City Stars era, you moved over to Santa Cruz. What was behind that decision, and, and how long did you stay with the Santa Cruz camp? I mean, there was a big period of time before, like between the two where I was kind of just floating around and trying to figure out what to do. I was like working at Huff, and I was going over to Spain a lot because it was just a fun place to distract yourself from the realities of thinking about trying to be an adult. Um, (laughs) So I would go over to Spain every chance I got and like skate and then come back to to the the States and work. And I was just in this weird place. And I like filmed this little video part, that FTC part. um, Mm -hmm. And then Jake Jones saw that and got all excited. And then he, he became the team manager of Santa Cruz. And so he put me on team and then that's when like Alex Carolino and the other dudes got on the team also Flo Marfang and all of them sick that was a dope era for Santa Cruz it was a weird one though people were super surprised people were always like Santa Cruz because you know it still had that like kind of like slasher not it didn't have the image that I didn't have the image that fit with what people thought about Santa Cruz at the time Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a weird one. Yeah, no, that was tight, though. That was a nice little remix for the brand at the time. So how did you get into the art game, and uh, where did the inspiration for that begin? 
when I was a teen, like before I, I got on Menace and all that, like I, like every kid in the fucking world draws when they're a kid, right? But like I, I used to draw and like kind of try to. I, my mom was a poet, and she was, she would always push me to, you know, kind of pursue an artistic uh, career. And I actually was going to go to art school. But um, I was already, like, I had already been to Europe, like, twice. And, like, I was skating with Kareem. And I was, like, art school or, like, menace. And I was, like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, I mean, in reality, I probably could have done both or something. But, um, yeah, I, I chose skateboarding. But to answer your question, I've always kind of had this love for art in me. But over time, I I, like convince myself that I wasn't an artist for some strange reason because I didn't have like a creative I don't I felt like I wasn't creative uh, or something weird like that so I didn't do it for like 20 years and then I last two winters ago um, in 2021 I was like cleaning out this dude's studio for my friend he moved this guy moved to Paris for during COVID, this artist and a friend of mine was like, hey, we need, he needs somebody to like catalog and like wrap up his art. Do you know anybody that can do it? And I was like, I'll do it. So I looked at his art and did the job and there was all these art supplies that he didn't want. So I took them home and I just started fucking around and like threw some shit up on, on um, IG and people liked it and that kind of gives you the more it kind of empowers you to like do it more and i just told myself i told myself that i was going to i wanted to get more into a creative mind state or a creative head head space so i was going to do my i made my i told myself that i was going to do something artistic one one thing per week no matter how ugly it is even if it turns out like shit and so that's what i did and then i it just started getting a little bit better. And next thing you know, like two years later, I've I had two art shows this year. I'm going to be in a third one, I think, in May. Um, I just sold seven pieces of art at the last one. I couldn't believe it. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Sam Smythe was like, he was like, dude, he's like, I can't imagine... Be sitting in front of a, pa- a piece of paper or a canvas, and I can't imagine any like me putting anything on there that would make somebody wanted to want to buy it. <laughs> and I was like, I could I couldn't imagine that either. Like not too long ago, but I, I don't know. It just seems it seems to uh, people like it. And not only that, like I I didn't really have that intention to be. I never said I'm going to be an artist. I just wanted to do it. I'm going to do it whether it takes off or not. Mm-hmm. or whether people mm-hmm. want to buy it or not. So I think that's the thing for me is I never expected any of this and I never, that was never the goal. So obviously this is kind of like a pleasant surprise. And uh, oh, That's mm-hmm. awesome, man. Yeah. A friend of mine said to me, like, it's cool that you had the confidence to put yourself out there like that. And I think the thing is that she's right. I did have the confidence, but also I wasn't, I didn't think about it that way. Like, if somebody would have been like, your art sucks, I would have been like, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I wasn't thinking, like, I'm trying to be an artist. So in that sense, I didn't, I wasn't, like, nervous to, like, put myself out there. Right. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. 
That's wicked. And now you got uh, your podcast going as well. Mission statement, man. What made you want to start that up as well? Well, it's not going at the moment anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, it's okay. These things, <laughs> they take breaks sometimes, man. We know all about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just like, uh, I was listening. At that point in time in my life, I was like really just not doing much, just kind of like going to work, getting drunk on the weekends, chilling with my girl, kind of. And I got into listening to podcasts, and I was listening to The Drink Champs a lot, Noriega. And, uh, Dude, they're funny, man. And like, yeah. And I just thought, like, I think I could do this. And so my friend Tom, he just works. He could do the audio, video, and all that shit. And so we sat down, and you know, it kind of just took off from there. It was pretty fun. Hard to get guests, though. Yeah. I don't know how it is for you guys, but <laughs> I think, I th- like, yeah. For us, it's just this, you know. We make it. We just have to make it happen, man. One way right. or another, I think. You know what I mean? Like, there like there are discouraging times, but right. you just gotta find a way. Right. Our thing was that you had to come to the studio, so that was like, well, maybe it made it a little more difficult. Oh, for sure. That's twenty, a hundred times more difficult. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look at us right. right now. You're in New York. I'm in Toronto. He's in Puerto Rico, man. Like, right. <laughs> power of the internet. Exactly. We're making it happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think we did like 20 episodes or something like that. And then I did it with Vans for a while, which was fun. Um, they had the Vans Channel 66. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would do it again. Who was your favorite guest, man? Dude, honestly, and I'm not saying this because you guys are Canadian, but fucking Rick McCrank, I love that guy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the conversation that it was just one of the nicest things about talking to him was that I could tell that he enjoyed being there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's different when you, some people, you know, maybe they get a little high, they get a little nervous. They're feeling a little awkward that, you know, but our conversation just flowed. I actually was super interested in his life. I I learned a lot about his like upbringing and I didn't know he had he had pretty like, you know, rough childhood or whatever. And just learning about his life and talking to him. And um, I really enjoyed that one. And, uh, you know, apart from him, everybody was good. That's the one that sticks out. B.A. was amazing. Those are a couple of our favorites too, man. McCrank was one of the first ones where I was like, ran it like nervous. Like I don't really get nervous anymore, uh-huh. but that one just, cause we're Canadian too. I don't know. He's just like such a legend. I mean, whether you're Canadian or not, he's a legend, but that one was, <laughs> it was just crazy when he picked up yeah. on Zoom or whatever we were chatting on at the time. Right. And you're right. He's so nice and like had a great conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. I like the Lexus so, Cologne a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. She's so dope. Yeah. Just because I respect her so much and I think she's fucking a sick ass person. She's a, somebody who you can actually like look up to. <laughs> you know, everything mm-hmm. that she does, you know, going to school and being an architect and f- being an artist and being a fucking, a fucking Olympic skater. Yeah. And everything she does is like incredible. Straight up. So, yeah, heavy I'm really resume. Excited to have her. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So exactly. the beauty of these podcasts and these interviews of just, you know, skaters talking and sharing stories are basically the storytelling, man, and the funny stories you hear that sometimes you don't get in magazines and, and stuff like that. What is the, the funniest story you were told by a guest on Mission Statement, man? Oh, man. I, oh, yeah, there was a story where uh, Scott Johnston's shit in a... Um, in a New York trash can. That one was pretty funny. Especially just... <laughs> if it wasn't for... It's funny because it's Scott Johnston, you know what I mean? Like, Mr. Clean yeah. and fucking... I just couldn't imagine him fucking, like, pulling his pants down and shitting in a those wire trash cans <laughs> that Tyshawn does Molly backside flips oh over. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a good story. I remember, like bringing that up and he was pretty shocked by that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the last person i would expect to hear that about exactly (laughs) just seems like a squeaky clean kind of guy right right i guess he Mm. was just it was either shit his pants or shit in a public trash can so he had to do what he had to do (laughs) he made the right choice (laughs) so lee you had a great switch tray. Uh, it's my favorite trick of all time. Just want to kind of hear oh, what your thoughts on on the switch tray and its place in skateboarding, man. Is it a special one for you too? I mean, I used to think it was the trick of all tricks because it was like oh, <laughs> I still a switch. Do. You know, I mean, dudes <laughs> nowadays do it like it's nothing. It's like a regular trick now. It seems like, but. Uh, you know, I just was like, you know, enamored with that trick because a tray flip is like, you know, the most classic, beautiful trick you can do. And to do it switch was like, mm-hmm. it was like another level or I don't know. I just felt like it was the king of all tricks or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> I feel that. Man, it's 2023. What's a day in the life for Lee Smith like? Oh, that's a great question. Uh... You know, it's not, it's getting less and less exciting. (laughs) (laughs) No, it depends, man. Wintertime is like super, you know, it's pretty hibernation mode, but summertime, you know, I usually try to stay at the beach as much as possible. Um, I try to be active as much as I can, either like riding my bike or, you know, running, jogging, skating occasionally, not as much as I should. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, lately I've just been, I haven't been, I work freelance in television production and there's been like no work in that, for that lately. So I've kind of just been like at my house, just like painting and maybe going out for dinners on the weekends. But yeah, it's nothing too, uh, nothing too exciting. It's sick that you got the art going these days for the dead season. I work in production too, so I know all about it, man. Right, right. It's nice to have some other outlets for this time of year. Exactly. So aside from the the art show coming up, what's next for Wee Smith? We gonna see some some switch trays released in the near future or what? Damn, you know that would be that would be uh, I have to work on that I have to pull out the foam roller and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know do some like full body rollouts for uh, 
Uh, I still got some in me, though. I don't know if you guys... I filmed a line with Waylon Bone, like, maybe, like, two or three years ago. I switched Vario, flipped over this great... But, yeah, I don't know. I might pull it out one day, one of these days. Let's get it, man. Well, man, Let's we're coming it. down to... Yeah, we're coming to New York, I think, in, like, a week and a half. We'll be at the Vans Park, man. Maybe we'll we'll link up and see a live switch trade, man. I mean, yeah, I'll try my best. I'll see what Start I can do. Start foam rolling now. <laughs> yeah. As soon Lee's as we shuffling get off, through the closet start. right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost, and this week we're brought to you by Real Skateboards. Coming straight out of SF, you know Real has always been down for skating. Real's Summer Drop is releasing now at your favorite skate shops. The release features lots of new shapes and sizes from Ashad Ware, Mason Silva, Nicole Haas, and Mr. Dennis Buznitz. If you like riding larger decks, Jimmy Wilkins has just released a new 8.86 deck that's just for you. This deck is pressed using a specially designed real mold for boards with longer wheelbases. Shaped by Jimmy himself, it's a 32.6 long with a full 15 wheelbase for a solid, stable, yet responsive ride. You can always find the latest from real at Nine Times, Theory, McGill's, Cowtown, and Enchantment Shop. If your local doesn't have the latest from real, tell them it's time to make a change. Roll forever, y'all. All right, Lee, you know what time it is. A little rapid fire. Oh, shit. We'll shoot some shots. EMB oh, styles. Fuck. You get me. I'm a, I'm a softie <laughs> nowadays. I'm like Ice Cube, but like <laughs> the new Ice Cube, not the old Ice Cube now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll start with the with the the fun loving stuff, man. Favorite skater? Maybe I think Brian Lottie. I always loved him in Now or Later. I'm gonna say Brian Lottie. Sick. Favorite video? Video days. Favorite video part? Javante Turner, Now or Later. Favorite style? Kenny Anderson. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Mike Carroll, hands down. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth. Fuck, man. Maybe like Rodney Mullen or some shit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite trick? Switch crook, man, all day. 90s. Yeah. (laughs) Hardest trick for you? Switch back tails pretty hard. Anything down steps? I was never a jumper. I'm a low impact skater. (laughs) Most illegal trick? I fucking hate tail slide 360 out. Not the backside one though, the front side one. <laughs> <laughs> the old tail 270. Yeah. The old PJ lad. <laughs> yeah. Favorite clip you've ever gotten? I like the switch tray. Speaking of switch trays, I like the switch tray I did over that street gap in San Francisco. And uh, mm-hmm. I like this fakey flip, fakey manual, fakey ollie up the curb. In the FTC part, yeah, I, know, I like those tricks. Sick. Yeah, worst trend you've been a part of? Probably like the little wheels, big pants, that whole era. <laughs> Cut your shoes in half and duct tape them up and ride thirty-five millimeter wheels. 
Jeez. <laughs> Glad I missed that error. <laughs> uh, <laughs> gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? Oh, Kareem Campbell at Radlands, the fucking gnarly hard flip late back so 180 over the hip. Damn. I don't know if you I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. It was fucking huge and it was just the most beautiful work of fucking art I've ever seen. So sick. Like you could sell that as a fucking NFT, I think. I don't even like NFTs. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. What's the one trick that got away? This is an interesting question because it really made me think about the way I approached skateboarding. I never had any, you know, I never sat down and said, made a list and said, I want to do this at this spot and I want to do that at this spot. We would just party at night, wake up, (laughs) try to go get lines that you kind of just made up while you, you know, while you were there. And yeah, it wasn't like I had never had these like banger trick lists that I wanted to like fucking run through. So I think my approach to skating was a little bit different than like maybe the way people do it now or even some people did it back then. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I should have actually been more, a little more, you know, there should have been more thought that gone into um, my approach to it. So I don't think my uh, attitude towards skating was the best or most productive, but hey, (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. And Kind of love that free-flowing type of skating, too, that I feel like a lot of people in San Francisco were about back then. The Pier 7 lines for days, 3rd and Army. You could just feel that people were just showing up skating and getting clips without premeditating them a lot of the time, which is also dope as fuck. What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? There was this dude, Chris Franzen. I don't know if you remember, you remember him. <laughs> he would like skate in tims and he'd he'd come he'd show up at lockwood and he would try like switch 360 flip switch 5-0 on the table and you're like bro you just (laughs) you're like you're like you so first of all this trick is like never gonna happen second of all you just got here you haven't even nose slid the bench and then (laughs) next thing you know you're like throwing your board because like you're like fuck i guess if you like land that um, all the time But uh, I love, yeah. I fucking love the fake <laughs> anger when the person has zero chance. It's like maybe how about a switch fifty fifty first? Exactly, exactly. Nah, I love those guys. Gotta love those king bunters. Yeah. Last new trick you learned? I don't know. Crossover nose bunt, like pop over nose bunt slide. I did them a long time ago when I was a kid, and then I just kind of relearned them like a couple years ago. Sick. Nice. Dream job after skating dream job i it used to be like team manager but now that's gone away and i guess i would have to say fucking get paid to sell art fuck yeah g if i could just paint all day that would be fucking awesome living the dream Much better than taking care of fucking skaters yeah. <laughs> that job actually like sounds wicked but it's probably the worst yeah. exactly <laughs> i know i used to want to do it quite a bit actually and now the older i get the more i'm like Dude, i don't know if i would ever want to do it right <laughs> heck with that man yeah <laughs> favorite local brand i don't know i like labor skate shop that's not really a brand though 
I don't know, maybe bronze, bronze fifty six k. Oh, oh hell yeah! I fuck with those. Yo, dudes. bronze, send us a box. You get me? <laughs> we see you. We see you posting the Smith. Yeah, big things. <laughs> um, favorite local skater. You know who I really like? Fucking Cyrus Bennett. Hell yeah. Whew. That kid is hella good, yeah. dude. And I don't know what he does. He got it going Everything on. Everything he does is, like, beautiful. It's like, bro, yeah. how did and you... And he could skate yeah. anything. Yeah, and it's like, how did you do that, dude? Like, how did you make it look like that? I feel like he'd be a team manager's, uh, like, dream rider because, A, you could take him to any spot and he's going to get a clip, and, B, he doesn't drink anymore, so it's just easy clips all day right. don't have to worry about him partying all night <laughs> right shouts to cyrus what's the one sponsor you regret riding for i mean i could even go as far as, as to say menace <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> i don't know i mean I, yeah i don't know really regret maybe i i've talked about this before but like i feel like maybe the love of skate like you kind of got to know when to bow out, and maybe I should have bowed out a little sooner than later. I respect that. Yeah. Favorite teammate ever? I really liked that Brazilian kid, Rogério. What was the fuck was his Mancha? Remember that big, tall kid? He used to stay at my house. Oh, Roger Mancha? Yeah, Roger Mancha. Roger Mancha. He was fucking sick. Dude, he was sick. <laughs> he used to stay at my house, and he wouldn't speak a fucking word of English. We used to have a good time. <laughs> Maybe that's why I liked him so much. <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah, I used to kick it with Pupeki a lot, too. Me and Pupeki were pretty tight. Hell, yeah. Worst teammate ever. Uh, I don't want to say he's the worst, but he's, like, pretty crazy. Fabian Alomar. <laughs> I mean, he definitely would, like, you know... He like on tour. He used to do this thing. Actually, it was pretty genius. He would like play with his balls and his dick and pull his dick out in the. F so and I didn't realize it at the time. The <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, but he would do that so nobody would sit in his row. So he would have the whole row to himself. Oh, oh that's <laughs> he, so extreme. Years later, it occurred to me. I was like, this motherfucker's <laughs> a genius. <laughs> But he was always, he would always get us into some crazy shit. So. Yeah, that sounds like worst teammate to me as well. Uh, yeah. Worst company. I don't know. Maybe like all those weird like A team or something like that. Not the skaters, but just how like robotic it was. It's like you made a company. Remember that company A team, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's like you made a company that's supposed to yeah. be like the image is like fucking your army guys or like you're like <laughs> what's your image like you guys are soldiers like <laughs> everybody on the team was incredible but the fucking image was just dumb they were man yeah. remember they had that gershon ad where he had like he was doing like a pogo somehow mid-air over a a-frame or something was i don't know i gotta find i'm that sure there's so many crazy. a lot of worse teams but for some reason, nothing's really coming to mind right now. Worst trend? Fuck. Maybe, like, having a little dog was kind of dumb. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that was a thing for a while. Um, playing guitar. Becoming an artist. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, I mean, the list goes on. I don't know. <laughs> Worst style. <laughs> I mean, worst style. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna flip it onto like I know you're talking about like how they skate, but I think for me, probably I would have to say all of Jim Greco's phases of like <laughs> fucking being a pirate to being yeah. a fucking Jimi Hendrix to, to being a Guido <laughs> greaser to. I don't even know all the phases he went through was pretty pretty <laughs> wild in my book but you know I do like like him and respect his skating but For sure. I'm going to give him the worst style award. <laughs> uh last but not least last person you want on the sesh. Last per- fuck man. <laughs> uh I don't know maybe like Jeremy Rogers or something. Oh, oh. <laughs> probably not wrong there. Jay Casanova. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he oh, was sick back God. in the days, so but he turned out to be a little kooky, a little kooky in there. <laughs> Anytime he comes up on the pod, I have to drop his favorite line from a song ever: "Life short, midgets are shorter." <laughs> <laughs> and That's he drops terrible, it as man. if it was like the baddest bar of all time. <laughs> it just makes no facts. sense. <laughs> Big facts. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, we. That's gonna wrap up our interview, man. We can't thank you all enough right. for coming inside studio. We killed it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you guys. No doubt, that was man. Fun, man. Pleasure was all ours. Welcome back to the post office, brought to you by our good friends over at Dickie Skateboarding. Quality workwear since 1922. From the work site to the streets, nobody keeps you fitted like Dickies. You've got mail. Ghost is packed up in this post office again, so let's get things cracking, man. Who we got up first? First up, we got a voice note from Peter Morris. Let's take a listen. Yo, just wondering, what's the next trick each of you guys is trying to learn? Is there something you've been close to, maybe landed on a couple of times that you think you can get in the near future? Could be flat ground, ledge, quarter pipe, whatever, but um, I would love to know. So get at me. Uh, first one that comes to mind, want to do this for a million years, switch flip back Smith on a ledge. Uh, hopefully try and learn that one this summer. We'll see. Sorry, what'd you say? Switch flip back Smith. Ooh, what about you? Damn. Scary. I've bunted it before. It always feels like I'm going to do the splits, like my foot's going to go on the ledge, mm-hmm. and then the board's not going to come, and I'll land on the front front foot on the board, and yeah. That is, we'll see. That is fucking scary. For me, man, I, I think well, I talked about this on a pod a week or two ago, but I need to get a fakie tray switch Manny in my life, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think like I have the fakie tray for it. I can land like that. Just gotta put one and one together, man. Bunt video, fakey trace, switch Manny. Mark my words, man. Yeah, we just need to find you like a flat gap to Manny so you don't actually have to pop up anything like a little one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. CBC, or that's probably two. Or like Wait. a drop down. A drop down? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's new levels. Uh. 
Levels to this shit, man. All right, next up, we've got an email from Colin, a.k.a. Bowser. What up, Bunt? I'm sorry if this has been mentioned and I missed it, but seeing as how the main topics of the show are skating and NBA, can we talk about how Steph Curry's brand logo looks like a straight ripoff of the S logo? I swear, every time I see it, I'm like, damn, Curry rocking S. Thoughts? I can't be the only one. Keep burning them barns, fellas. Is he reverting... Is he referring to the SC30 logo or whatever it is? The his Under Armour logo? Yeah, yeah. That's just like his brand. Like I don't know if it's all Under Armour related, but yeah. The curry, yeah, I could see that now, but I honestly I never made that connection. But now that it's in my head, oh. I can see it. That looks exactly like it, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's by Under Armour. What the fuck? That's like identical. Huh. Maybe if S needs the cash, they can go after him for some copyright infringement. Hey, good luck with that one. All right, next up, we got an email from Abram Blitz. It's a sick name. What's good, Bunt Boys? Just wondering what your take is on having opinions on tricks you can't do. Personally, I feel like you can have opinions on things like this in any sport, but with skating, if you talk shit about a trick without being able to do it, you get a lot of pushback, but at the same time, I understand being able to do the trick will give you a different insight. Sorry for the long email. Love the pod. Uh, that was very short, so appreciate you. P.S. Get the God Chris Millick on. Yes, we will get Chris on. We always talk about it. Always forget. I don't know if you've hit him up, Dono. But no, there's no forgetting, man. We've been trying, like steadily. Yeah. People, uh, you might have to start spamming his Instagram posts to tell him to come on, man. Yeah. Season 18. We've had discussions. It just, just doesn't happen. Season 18. It's going down. I think it's definitely all right to have opinions. I mean, fuck. What is sports media? That's pretty much all it is. Other than retired players, which there's a lot more of, which I love. But there's a look at the Stephen A. Smith. Some of the biggest faces in sports media fucking they they never played a second of nba basketball or nfl nhl whatever and we still care about their opinions so i think it's the same with skating i mean if you're talking shit is one thing like if you if you're trash and you're talking shit about a skater who's a million times better than you that's different but having an opinion is perfectly fine well said, man. And fucking, what would the internet be if we couldn't speak on things we know nothing about? Yeah, but to his point, like, yeah, it's a little... Your opinion might be a little more accurate if you know how to do the trick, but as long as you're not just straight hating on some shit you can't do. Actually, no, that's hypocritical. We probably hate on kooky whack tricks that we can't do, but... Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> all right. Next up, we've got an email from Jim Booth. The Leafs win a series, and all of a sudden, the rundown becomes spitting chicklets, eh? Cats in four. But this ain't the rundown, so I'll shoot you a question about skateboarding. Oh. Grinding up a rail. Does this trick ever look good? It's just weird for me to see a trick landed with almost no speed on the rollaway. Cheers, boys. I like them when you ride away with a decent speed, but I feel you on that. I remember Leo 50'd up one rail. He lands it barely moving, and he's like, it's as good as it's going to get. Like, 
that's kind of unnecessary, but it's still like such a ridiculous feat. It, yo, is the rail that like, um, what's the actor, homie? And yeah, right. Oh yeah, Owen Wilson. Yeah, he fiftied up that rail, so it's pretty insane. Um, I feel like the rollaways have gotten better over time. For like the first little while, when people started going up rails, it was definitely like barely made it up, landing 90 on the top, but getting a little bit better but definitely agree doesn't look the greatest when you're land and stationary that's for sure yeah but if, if you have a nice ride away speed that shit's incredible it's incredible regardless because like who the hell really wants to grind up a handrail it shit's scary and the sack potential and just like pain potential is through the roof and as far as spin chicklets in the rundown, Jim, like if you can prove to me that you're an actual Florida Panthers fan, like I'll take time and in the next post office to give you a piece of my mind personally. But if you just talk it shit, we'll save that for the rundown. Have a piece of my mind there, man. <laughs> my poor Leafs. <laughs> All right, next up we got a voice note from Bradley Ramos. Let's take a listen. Hey boys, it's Bradley from Albuquerque. I just got a quick question for you. I'm starting to get back into golf. And you know, I'm not trying to be caught out there wearing them skin-tight pants the guys on the PGA Tour are wearing. But obviously, it doesn't seem appropriate to roll up in your ripped-up big boys either. So what are you guys wearing at the links? You got any tips? Thanks for another great season of the pod. I don't really have any, like, fancy golf pants, really. I just wear whatever. Um, maybe some shorts in the summer because it gets way too hot up in here, but... Yeah, nothing. Uh, sorry, I can't really help you there. I probably should step my game up this year, though. What about you, Dono? Yeah, obviously, go to a shorts, 100%. But um, I guess if I can't wear shorts and it's like cold or something outside, I don't really go to golf courses that have too strict of a dress code. Honestly, I don't really golf very much anymore. But I'll just wear like some khakis or something. But I feel you definitely don't want to be like in some tight ass golf pants from Golf Town and don't want to be in some ripped up jeans either. So you might just need to step outside the box and go to Uniqlo, man, and get some stretchy khakis or something. Love it. Birdie gang. All right. Next up, we've got an email from Devin Rocks. Hey, Safe and Donald. Hope you're both keeping well. Watching new skate edits, it seems more rare these days to see trick landings synced up with the beat of whatever song is playing. It's not completely gone, and I always appreciate when it's there, but sometimes it feels like a bit of a lost art to have the landings match the beat, and I swear in the early 2000s it was something more of a prerequisite. I've noticed this completely missing in some recent thrasher edits I've seen. It's crazy to me to put in so much effort to stack clips for a full part just to have them more or less thrown together. Maybe with video content becoming more disposable, there's just less care to put in. Have you noticed this? Any thoughts? Kind regards, Devin in Dublin, Ireland. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'd notice that. It's a very specific thing to notice. But I will say I do love when there's a part with a bunch of landings to the beat. I'm old school with that. Anytime I make an Instagram edit, I, I love to spark it with a little beat drop clip land. Um, but yeah. Uh, easy answer for me. It definitely lost our... used to go hand in hand. Um, when we made our little crew video back in the day, huh? When, when me and Safer were just teenagers. 
I think it was like back in 2005, 2006. When editing it, I did everything I could to match trick landings to beats, man. So maybe it is a lost art. Drop one of your favorites that you can remember off, off the top of my head right now. P-Rod and Yeah Right had some really good... Uh, his second song, the Nas instrumental, I feel like mm. he was landing a lot to the beat for that. It was awesome. And then a random one. Windsor James in Battalion. I think he skated to that song that was like, ding, and then it'd be like, ding, every once in a while. <laughs> Killing it. Fuck, I don't even know. I know Cody ended the hum video to an actual gun loading and then gunshot that was timed to perfection. Oh, with a switch burial flip down Commerce 7. Of course. Damn, we should have put Cody's up there for fuck's sakes. <laughs> and uh, Wade won that poll, just in case you were wondering. What was the percentage? Um, it was close. I think it was like 3% or like 6% in total. That's pretty, like yo, votes. That's pretty good because... Well, a lot of people, like we got so many DMs about it and a lot of people... Are, just respect the fact that Chima did it down a huge double. Like, that's the difference. And when you're, like, faced with that, it's, like, it makes sense. Like, anybody could go try Wade's. Mm -hmm. No, Not a lot of people can go try Chima's, you know? But the, the Wade one was more about how he did it. But, yeah, I just... Yeah, it was the best ever. Anytime that comes up, I got to throw the Chima one out there because a lot of people say it's Wade unquestioned. And I just, I just had to put the respect on Chima's. Like, that was a thing of beauty. Yeah, agreed. All right, next up, we got an email from Nathan Gott. Hey, Bump Boys, came across this interesting tweet by Tasteful No Slider. I feel like easier access to smartphones has changed the way a lot of people skate. For instance, nowadays when I'm out skating, I end up taking a break every 15 minutes or so and end up sitting and looking at my phone for a couple minutes. As a kid, I just kept skating nonstop. Wondering, what did you think about this? Are sessions different with smartphones? Thanks for this new season. Come skate Paris. Oh man, we'd love to get back out to Paris. Yeah, man, easy answer. They're obviously different. Everything is different with these fucking phones. Film and tricks, Instagram, just everyone having a phone in their hands. I remember when we were young and when the sessions were like 10 or more people, it would be like absolute mayhem at skate spots like you know once one person is trying a trick and it's just like 10 people sitting around when there weren't smartphones there was all sorts of shit going on man wrestling matches arguments like <laughs> people doing whatever it was insane yo you know what's funny that i hadn't thought about remember just like now anytime anyone starts remotely doing anything hard we just pull out a phone and just capture it. But remember how many yeah. heated sessions there were back in the day when like we didn't have a camera, it didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of just yep. tricks where we were pushing ourselves, where like now we would film it a thousand percent. Like just some of those fun sessions where everyone's like in a groove and like you could feel the energy and everyone just doing like whatever's their hardest trick, no camera. I kind of missed that, uh, that purity. Of, uh, of course, skating. I saw Morgan 
do four tricks on Skydome 13, no camera in the winter. <laughs> like, do you think that's even possible now? No. Four tricks, or maybe it was three. Whatever, in the winter. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, fuck. <clears throat> I, uh, I mean, it's funny because, like, there's certain tricks. Like, I remember, like, uh, some tricks that I, that I did where it's like now I 100% would have filmed that. And, like, thinking back, I'm like, oh, damn, it would have been nice to actually have that clip. But at the same time, it is just, it, it was what it was. Urban back legend. Then. Yeah. <laughs> it's even better. Urban legend. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got an email from Plus Skateboarding. I don't even want to listen to this one, man. I know exactly what it's going to be about. What's up, on boys? This is your boy Rob here from Plus Skateboarding. Just coming off a uh, playoff game here for the men's league. Two fucking beauty backhands. First goal and second goal in a 4-1 win. So you know I'm feeling good. God, I fucking wish I was as good of a skateboarder as I am fucking hockey player. God damn it. So, yeah, man, I see that uh, the Panthers, Florida Panthers, fucking whooped the Maple Leafs again. Game one, game two. God damn, Toronto. The fucking state of Florida. Fuck. They shouldn't even have fucking teams against an original six franchise. One of the fucking greatest hockey towns of all time. You can't fucking beat Florida. You finally beat Florida fucking last, like last series after losing it to him last year. And then fucking, sure enough, state of Florida. What the fuck? Figure it out. All right? I mean, fucking Red Wings, dude. I mean, we've got like four Stanley Cups in the last 20 years. Fucking how many playoffs? That's more. We got more Stanley Cups in the last 20 years that Toronto has playoff fucking wins. God damn it. So my question for you, I don't have a question, but my question for you guys is, listen, I know all the fucking players, half the players on the Florida Panthers are probably from Ontario. But, I mean, these fans are making Toronto look bad, bro. All right, so I hope you boys step up for game three and step up for game four in Florida and quit fucking making hockey look shitty. All right? All right, love you boys. Love the pod. Really love the pod. Really do not love Toronto fucking Maple Leafs. Uh, Dono, I hope to at some point fucking go right through you on the ice, bro. All right, you guys will whoop me any day on on the board. I already know that. That's all right. I have fun, but uh, on the ice, it ain't it ain't happening. All right. So, uh, love you boys, and that's it. Peace. First off, you're fucking lucky. I held my tongue for that two minutes and forty seconds of rambling on. You didn't even know what you were talking about half the time. You can't beat Florida. You finally beat Florida. First of all, it was Tampa Bay. Been to the Stanley Cup Finals three time, three years in a row. Won two of them. And yeah, we beat them in the first round. And who comes into the post office rambling on about some nonsense of their men's league <laughs> playoff game? 
that like anybody listening to this pod gives a goddamn flying fuck if you score twice on the backhand, challenging me to a hockey game. Man, I'm coming to Detroit. I'll literally be there on Friday. So text me, DM me, find me. You know, we can settle this mono a mono plus skateboarding, man. It's a bad advertisement for for you guys coming at the bunt like this. And like you said, half the damn players are from Ontario. And the fans are doing what? We're doing what? Jesus Christ, man. This guy's from fucking Detroit. Acting like he's from Florida. He was DMing us the first game they played Tampa. He couldn't wait. His fucking Twitter fingers were ready. I didn't know Kevin Durant lived in fucking Detroit. For Christ's sake. (laughs) Holy fuck. Oh my god. Yeah, Rob, that was hilarious you caught dono this is the day after this is the morning after pretty much the leafs just got eliminated so um you definitely got his blood boiling but thank you for the entertainment that was hilarious but yeah like it has anything to do with the state of florida like (laughs) nothing not one of those guys is from florida not one like yo i thought you were from florida too rob that's the only uh pushback i have on your shit but that was uh Pretty entertaining. He's a Detroit fan. They haven't made the playoffs in years. Who, the Red Wings? They just traded away. Yeah, they just traded away one of their best young, or just let him go, one of their best young players in Tyra Bertuzzi. Waving the white flag yet again. Dylan Larkin, your captain's crying about these guys leaving. Got enough to worry about. Yeah, Rob, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, if, if the Red Wings are trash and didn't make the playoffs, uh, you shouldn't be the one coming at Donald today. But uh, we appreciate that you love us and the pod and uh i do i do appreciate that you love the pod you've always backed the pod but he literally not only challenged the maple leafs one of the most delusional fan bases of all time like there's a couple guys here in toronto i could show this email to and and they'll be all over you but then to personally come at my hockey playing (laughs) might have been donald's nice with it on the ice man this guy better have some size and speed to him man you know (laughs) yo we're coming to detroit with what three players off the patty kings four if five 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 guys off my men's league team coming right at you man the only problem if we were coming for longer i'd love to see you guys set up something on the ice but we're trying to skate and uh maximize skate time but maybe uh a good old bar brawl just kidding dude well Shout out the video premiere that's going down there this Saturday, say. I think um, video premiere in Detroit. A bunch gang's pulling up. Anyone in Detroit wants to come haul at us, we're going to do our best to get there Saturday night. Yes. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Sound like a beginning of a Dipset song. <laughs> yeah, so fuck. Okay. Okay. We're going to be in Detroit this weekend uh pulling up friday but yes uh the homie justin bowl detroit legend is having a video premiere saturday the 20th uh all vx and filmed in detroit area and uh our whole squad is pulling up there so rob if you want to pull up and uh, meet us it'll be all fun and games you guys can talk your hockey shit but we're going to do our best to be there. We're going to try and skate as long as we can that day. But if the video is playing at 8.30 p.m., I don't think our old asses will still be skating. So we are going to do our best to pull up to the video premiere. Can't wait. Like, what connection does this guy have to Florida anyways? At the Dunwell and Hamtrack. 
Let's get it, Justin. Oh, free ice cream and pizza at the premiere? Holy shit. Oh, fuck. Safe was there. Yo, it's a me. Yo, this guy's acting like you're going to pull up and not eat ice cream. Yo, fuck you. Guys. Yo, you want to have a challenge? What's the challenge? First, can't eat a slice, man. Hell no. Why would I agree to I'm that? I'm off the za. You're off the, I'm off the you're za. Off the za. You just tried to organize jam. our fucking dinner on Monday for fucking pizza. <laughs> <laughs> they got more than pizza there. Oh my god! I was gonna have a, I was gonna have a salad. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And the and the market fresh vegetables like <laughs> Ben Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Uh, all right. Next up, we got an email from Dan G. Yo, bump boys. Big love for the pod. In the last week's post office, y'all brought up pop shove tail grabs for a second. It's a joke here in Guam that the pop shove tail is the most Guam trick because all the OGs here did it, but we all know it's kind of whack. What's the most T-dot trick, good or bad? Big shout-outs to all the Guam skaters and uh, hashtag skate Twitter. Well, first of all, shout-out, yes, to Guam skaters. If y'all OGs be doing pop shove tail grabs, I got nothing but love and respect for that. Dude, remember when Bam did the pop shove tail shove? shove? Oh, so sick when you're a kid. You're just like cool fire. Yeah. I mean, it's still fire in more of a funny way now, but <laughs> as a kid, you're just like, yo, I need to learn Whoa. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's a T dot trick, man? Like tailside 270? Oh my god. I don't want to claim that one. It is pretty T dot though? though. Yeah. Those are I'm saying. like yeah. I feel like Morgan just made that a Toronto trick. With his influence, yeah. being the best skater in the city at a young age, everyone was out here trying to tail 270. But no, let, I'd say that's it. You think so? We gotta I have would. something better. What? Man. What else you got? Uh, Nolly shove Manny. What'd you say? Nolly shove Manny. Nolly shove Manny. No, that was like me and you, and like Cody. Everyone else that we skated with, Sixer, everyone. Oh, true. Phil probably. Yeah, fuck. I can't think of one, so I guess we're going with tail 270. Tail 270. It's not the worst. Hopefully someone this week, once this comes out, gives us a better one, and we can shout that one out next week. Any Toronto homies listening, what's Toronto's fucking trick, man? All right, next up, we got an extremely quick one from Cole Switzer. Y'all drink energy drinks? Which ones? When? Uh, first of all, it's just incredible to me that you even ever wondered this to the point of putting it in an email. And um, I don't, but if I'm going to, I'll uh, I'll down a monster real quick. You get me? At the Bunt Jam, when me and Donald need a, a little burst of energy, we just throw back a monster, baby. Or six. You get me? All right. Next up, we've got an email from Anita Breffmont. I got a few questions. We'll answer them as we go along here. Say, is it weird to make a huge change like going from long haired to buzzed in the same part? Yeah, actually, it is kind of weird to be honest with you. Yeah, I've never been a fan of like a noticeable big change like that in a part. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. like, I'm sure it's fine sometimes, but I don't know. I just don't like when it seems like the part was filmed over like 10 years. And like the the yeah. big hair change can take away from the continuity. 
Next up, if a person who gets paid to skate does your ABD on the same spot as a blue collar gentleman, should you use your clip and expect this dude to step his up? Interesting take. I don't know. I'm kind of undecided on this one. I don't even think it matters. It's probably just more respect to the blue collar guy, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, at this point and at the rate me and Donald get clips, if I get something I'm hyped on, I'm using it. I don't give a fuck anymore about ABD or shit like that. It's coming out still. Unless it's like a homie, mm -hmm. but like in this situation, if it's like uh, some pro skater and you happen to do the same trick at the same spot and theirs comes out first, like I'm still using mine. Fuck it. Not not trying to backstab Safe. homies clips though. When we were younger, Seifa once did one of my clips in an aircast, so <laughs> I mean, doesn't get any worse than that. No, it? you back 180 though. Stop it. That was literally matter, you did it. Fakie Big Spin was like the only trick in an I could air do cast. with that air cast. In on. an air cast. Yeah. And finally, do y'all also hate this trend of stance where people kind of hunch over and push their head forward and try to look chill? <laughs> Does anyone know what I mean? I swear everyone switched up to look like that now. I personally think it looks cooler to have good posture and look confident than look like the fucking hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> Thanks for sending this email straight to the trash bin. <laughs> oh my god. What does he mean? Like the Will Marsh like head poke out? I, I, potentially, like you kind of explained it last week when Wade's backsmith front 180 coming down the ramp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty hunched back. Um, I, I got a love-hate relationship with that style, man. You know, it makes me laugh, so I love it. <laughs> But would I do it? No, I am also a fan of good posture, man. Um, yeah, if it's what I'm picturing, like, dude, Trep was the king of it. And I worship Trep to this day. So it's I, I don't do it. I don't think, I, like, I don't even know how to do it. But uh, if, it, if, it, if it's done right, it can be pulled off in certain cases. But yeah, it is kind of a funny one. One more for the week, man. This is a good one, say. All right, we're going to close up this week with John Moyer. Hey, Donald, Ghost, and Ants. First-time emailer and long-time listener since the Bunt's inception. Yo, respect. Seifa, please pardon the longer email here, but I just listened to the Weimer episode, and a fellow Bunthole brought up Donald claiming he used to piss everywhere when he was younger. <laughs> I'd like to defend Dono and share a story of my crazy friend Duncan, who once had so much booze and pressure built up in him that he managed to piss over his own head for a solid five seconds. It was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen. It was like a geyser going off. Some of it definitely rained down on himself once the stream started running low. Wow. Uh... I can't Wonderful. believe you got defended for that, Donald. But that's I'm amazing. sure everyone out there defends me, just you sitting on your high horse. You know. <laughs> no question no question there. Just thought I'd stand with Donovan in the adolescent days of drinking and pissing everywhere. See, that would probably be Thank caught you. on an iPhone these days. You gotta see that one to believe it. Um, Dude, one time when we were in Montreal sharing I was sharing a room with Ben Davis, he woke up in the middle of the night. Stood up, took a piss in my shoes, and went back to bed. Jesus like, Christ. The dis Wheelie D's disrespectful, the sure the man. He's a disrespectful oh yeah, especially cat. with his fucking piss. Dude, remember when he... 
Uh, I don't know if we should get into it about Willie D stories. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Right there. So let's just leave it at Willie is father, one no. of the most disrespectful people we know. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. That's going to hurt. All right. <clears throat> also, shout out to the ghost for reviewing my Switch tray clip that I sent our mutual friend, Michel Barrett, while you two were in Vancouver skating together last fall. I didn't get a certification, though. Uh, fuck, I don't remember which one it was. I've been asked to review a, f- a few of them, but uh, that's fucking beast, and I'm sure it was Butta's. Oh, was it? Like, you didn't get a certification because it was too dutty. Was that what it was? <laughs> that's what. That's nice of you. Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm, I still don't remember it specifically, but if I don't give you a certification, it just means you need to probably spread your legs a little more. Keep your shoulders a little more square. But uh, send another one to Mitch, and uh, I'm going to see him on Thursday or Friday. So send send one to Mitch when you hear this. Hope it looks cleaner. All right. I guess if I had one question, it would be, can you please share a story of a time Mitch B or Matt Canadian absolutely kooked it while on the beers? (laughs) I used to work with both of them at a party rentals place in Vancouver that was filled with Vancouver skaters. Yeah, I know that company, A and B, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Anyways, there were times those boys would come in for a Saturday morning shift looking like a wild raccoon who hadn't slept the night before. Sorry for the call out, Mitch Canadian. I know you guys are both now responsible gentlemen, and I love you. Okay, boys, apologies for the novel. Thank you for everything you guys do. You guys are killing it. Every Wednesday is a real treat for my washed up ass. Peace. Uh, you know what? I don't mind a, a novel email when uh, it's got us laughing the whole time and especially uh, giving us the opportunity to talk shit about Mitch and Canadian. Um, Donald, do you have one from them or am I going to have to go into the Ottawa uh, throwback Thursday department? Yeah, I think I think the people want that, man. Go into the archives. Ah, fuck, man. When I think about Canadian, there's too many things come to mind maybe i'll i'll get his blessing first but i did edit like real far back on my instagram a part one and part two of just canadian highlights so i'm gonna ask him after this (laughs) if he's cool if we share it in the bunt story on wednesday because there's just so many good and and canadian isn't drinking so uh really proud of him but Let's not pretend he wasn't uh, just hilarious and kind of wild at times back in the day. Uh, some of my biggest laughs of my life were with with him. Uh, but one that comes to mind was we had a, a big party like at the Mystics house and then classic next day, everyone's hung over and Canadians the first to crack that morning beer in the AM. And sometimes he'll be in a bad mood after a big night. like that and i don't remember how it got sparked but i think it was our boy pete was like in the doorway and i'm sitting at on the stoop like on the stairs and pete's like behind me and him and canadian and canadian standing like four feet in front of me and just him and pete start yelling at each other about absolutely nothing and then i think someone tried to like grab his shoulder to calm him down or something and you know the classic dondera that like we always say oh yeah uh he was actually so pissed off but still said dondera which just made no sense while he was pissed 
and it just killed me and i happened to film it so you could see that in the story if canadian gave us the green light but he's like touch me again don't they fuck you up and dude it was the funniest <laughs> like i'm like how does your brain say donde la which is just some gibberish when you're actually like on the verge of fighting one of your friends for no reason so that was a classic classic canadian moment uh and then that, also man. just a few meters like past there in the street right off the sidewalk one time he had his classic rebox quote where it was another big night at the Mystics crib and someone yelled at him from upstairs like, yo, Canadian, do a back three heel. And he's like, he's like, I'm not trying to fuck up these Reeboks, you diggy. <laughs> or no, sorry. I'm not trying to fuck up these fresh Reeboks, you diggy. It was uh, fucking amazing. I think I might have filmed that as well or someone filmed it because that quote exists somewhere out there. Canadian, uh, thanks for all the laughs. Uh, Mitch, it's funny because Mitch, when Canadian's not around, Mitch is the like class clown. But when Canadian's around, Mitch just comes off like so much more chill and and mature. Because like, how can you outdo Canadian? Canadian just steals the show. So I got to think of a, a Mitch moment with no Canadian around. Fuck. There's another one who has so many moments. But honestly me and mitch like wild stories like that are probably not pod friendly i have one that comes to mind in china where uh i'm pretty sure mitch wouldn't want me to tell it but let's just say uh our homie got robbed and uh was eating uh dry noodles for the rest of the trip unless uh unless i was feeling generous and hooking him up with some grubs oh man the memories the ottawa t dot connection man that shit was strong for years and then everyone moved to vancouver yep all right y'all that's gonna wrap up another edition of the post office get your emails and voice notes into the bunt live at gmail.com this is the rundown the skateboard world source for sports before we get into Eastern and Western Conference Finals in both the NBA and the NHL, one moron has taken center stage yet again. <laughs> you know, one thing really, really bothers me about this is this guy's got the worst friends in the world, man. Like, what? why are you filming this moron? And it begs the question, like, are you even really friends with him? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for those who haven't caught on yet, we're obviously talking about Ja Morant. Well, it's Sunday morning. Fucking woke up to him flashing a gun again on his friend's IG Live. Just one of the most perplexing, mind-boggling, like, just absolute dumbass moves of all time. Uh clearly didn't learn a damn thing with those eight days off which even at the time seemed like a joke like trying to sweep it under the Not rug days games or, but that yeah, was eight games dude they let him off so light with that eight games protecting a superstar going into the playoffs like that was a slap on the wrist yeah and they gave him games served or whatever like i think he'd already missed five from like him being like i'm stepping away from the team to get right so by the time then he got the eight game suspension but he only had to actually sit three more games after that super light especially considering all the 
other stuff that was alleged like beating up a kid uh getting into it with a security guard at a mall like there's just so many other things that just make you think okay if once the gun came out the first time you're like oh was all that true because if so like this guy's fucked i'm going to do it again after getting eliminated in disgraceful fashion um just i actually just feel bad for the grizzlies organization and their fans right now because this guy was supposed to be the bridge you know he was supposed to be like from the conley zebo gasol era this was like the light at the end of the tunnel after that era came to an end and now it's just all up in the air man very sad it's over him he's got to get 50 games for this like this is just insane the way it was so easy you got the nfl suspension the first time around you know yeah you know when the nfl like won't punish anybody because we kind of need you because there's only 16 games we can't really suspend anyone in the nfl because it hurts the product too much yeah we're coming into a long off season and then a fresh 82 games they're dropping the Thor-sized hammer on this bastard this time. I mean, I don't know why I called him a bastard. I don't really... Dude, it's just... It might have been too it's far. It's just insane. But, like, like, you're so dumb. Like, how do you do the exact You're about to be thing. so rich. Yeah. Dude, it's his friends. And, like, clearly, like, the sun is up. They were partying all night. Like, your head's not in the right space. But, like... Dude, you're a professional NBA player. It's not... You're not a gangster. Yeah, I don't think he's you know, figured like, that out yet. You're, you're not like a rapper who needs to have this personified image of being a gangster. You're not that. Like in any way, shape, or form. You fly around on private jets and stay in nice hotels. And the hardest thing you do is maybe start an argument that Steven Adams breaks up. <laughs> like, There's really nothing hard about you. And then... You're just blowing it for yourself, for your family, for future generations of your family. And then the Memphis Grizzlies organization, who, like you said, man, thought they were in the clear, thought they were onto something good. But ever since he said he's good in the West, it's been nothing but downhill from there. Dude, think about uh, Shams' tweet about Dylan Brooks, where it was like pretty extra, but it was like, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies will not bring back Dylan Brooks uh, in any circumstance or whatever it was. Yeah. And then this, it's like, he's lucky he's a star because he would just be shunned so quick, sent to China so quick. Like, I'm really interested to see what happens with this one. But my question to you before we start recording, what is the upside? That's what I just don't understand. He already went through this whole thing, did that, like, fucking interview with Jalen Rose which he knew was going to be easy because Jalen Rose has his back blah 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 like how do you do the exact same thing that had the entire basketball world like laughing at you on the internet and then people that care about you like super concerned like because he got off easy he got they said he went to like a rehabilitation program I don't know what rehabilitation program takes half an hour (laughs) and then like eight days like that's nothing man it was the NBA and the Grizzlies protected him going into the playoffs, and that's all that this was. We needed Jaw there for the playoffs. We wanted to see what would happen with him. It was more his well-being was more important or was less important than the NBA having him there for the playoffs. Yeah. And realistically, he's gonna get a harder suspension, sure. He's gonna get a third chance. But like Memphis has no choice. You like you're not gonna let him go. 
Yeah. Are they? We'll see. Like we'll see. But it's a business, man. They need. I can't wait to see what dumbass shit he says this time. Like last time he did the whole, uh, I need help, and uh, you know the classic, all those things you say when you fuck up. Like he's on yeah. some boy who cried wolf shit now. It's gonna be very interesting to see where this goes from here. But it's just upsetting anytime a young young athlete like that who has so much to gain is throwing it away for literally no reason what's i mean there's obviously a reason like whatever it is but like no rational reason he wants to be a gangster man yeah that's the only reason all right let's move on man let's get down to the brass tacks the one place in the world where he wasn't good was the western conference (laughs) as we all saw the lakers take care of your Warriors, a sad day. Steph didn't get much help at all. Clay should be embarrassed with his performance. And, you know, the Lakers came to play, man. Yeah, it's honestly insane. Like, I would have pictured last season and this season going in the opposite, like, a million times. If, if I was going to bet all my money, of like, before last season started, like, the Warriors are going to win one of these next two seasons. Which one will it be? I'm pretty sure everyone would have picked this season because Clay was just coming off injury. Uh, they just sucked the two years before. It was like very weird. And they like had that magical run last year. And then you'd think they'd come in this year like better. But Wiseman was trash. Got rid of him. Gary Payton, they couldn't re-sign. Brought him back, but he had an injury. Like just, they never had the continuity all season. Uh... I, I wanted them to find some magic, but at the end of the day, I shouldn't be shocked. The only thing I'm bummed about is that they lost to LeBron and the Lakers. But all in all, I'm very thankful. Last year was still one of my favorite um, playoff runs I've ever watched in NBA, in like my history as an NBA fan. So thank you, Warriors. Uh, hopefully come back better next year. That was truly an enjoyable run to watch last year man it's better when it's a surprise though yeah you know what i mean yeah so and now the lakers opponent the denver nuggets man i'd like to say make quick work but six games they gave kd and booker the business like you said all along the suns were just too too thin to take care of a deep team like the nuggets yeah man uh they fired monty williams the winningest coach in the last four years in the NBA. I think I saw that. Uh, two coach of the years in the last four years. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was behind that. I mean, they got the new owner, so maybe he wants to put his imprint on it. Uh, they also got, they were down by 30 points at halftime in the elimination game this year and last year to the Mavs. So two insane collapses. Maybe you needed a new mm-hmm. coach to, you know, instill more confidence. But uh, looking for the Suns to bounce back next year. They got their top heavy right now. But as we've seen many times in the past, you get guys who want to come play with those teams, right? It just takes a year or two, right? Exactly. A year or two to figure that out. Yeah, they didn't have time this year. Like, they made that trade so late in the season ne- this with this mm-hmm. whole summer and next year's trade deadline. Like, I'm sure they're going to have a much deeper bench. Uh, hopefully my guy TJ Warren can be 100% healthy and be one of them, like, uh, six man of the year candidates dropping 17 points a game off the bench or something would be nice who knows we'll see um, it was a desperation play but I don't think there's like 
even though the odds were in their favor to win it all at one point before the playoffs, it never seemed super realistic with zero bench. As soon as I saw like them struggle against the Clippers in round one with no Paul yeah. George, it was like, oh, okay, this team is not winning a championship. No, way too thin. The only good thing I see about firing Monty Williams is there are a slew of elite coaches available this summer, and I'm sure Phoenix will get whoever they want. You know, it's not hard to get a coach to come to your city when you got KD and D book, dude. But the only man who probably lost more money this week than John Morant, DeAndre Ayton, buddy. Oh, he didn't lose nothing because he fucking signed his deal. Remember when they went to the finals? That was the whole thing. Like he was beefing with the with the front office because he's like, yo fucking give me my max extension and then they didn't there was that whole fiasco they ended up doing uh, uh they ended up letting him go get an offer i think like from the pacers maybe i can't remember but no. dude he's a 30 million dollar a year guy for four years like you're gonna be out the league he's a fucking scrub that's what he's gonna be i can't like yeah, yeah he he's gonna go to a shit team and quickly realize he ain't all that like maybe he'll be a 2010 guy on a losing team but is that really i don't know better not with that effort bro bro on a shit team especially in this era like points come so easy like i could see him being a 2010 guy on a trash team basically and just losing though like that's the thing like he's not he's not built like that this guy would rather fade away than fucking back you in and dunk on you <clears throat> so we have our western conference final set the Lakers and the Nuggets, who are you taking? Well, I have zero bias. I'm taking the, the Nuggets, obviously. But zero bias. even even trying to look at the matchups um, as a neutral party, which I'm not, I still feel like Denver's a better team. Uh, the Lakers hang their hat on defense, the Nuggets on offense. It's going to be fascinating to watch uh, them try to guard Jokic. He's more perimeter oriented, so that'll kind of drag AD away from the basket, which was like the only time the Warriors had any shot in the paint in that last series. So that'll be cool. Like against against the Warriors, you know, he's guarding Looney or Draymond who aren't jump shooters. So he could kind of patrol in the paint until they started doing the pick and rolls with Steph to get him out of the paint. But anyways, in this series, uh, I cannot wait to see the Davis-Jokic matchup. Jokic is just the most weirdly unguardable dude, not athletic. Well, he's obviously athletic. He's in the NBA, but you know what I mean? Not like traditional, like huge jumper and super quick. Um, I'm curious to see how many times AD blocks Jokic in the series. He has such a high release point. Uh, and then Aaron Gordon did a ter terrific job against KD in the last series. So hopefully he can uh, replicate that against LeBron. And then rest of the rosters, I, I think I like the Nuggets depth more. Like, oh my God. Who's going who's gonna, to... How'd you start this with unbiased? No, no. I, no, no. My unbiased take is the Nuggets are going to win. But then even looking at it, trying to be level-headed... I still like the de the Nuggets roster more. Like between Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, uh, hopefully that's enough size and strength to to guard LeBron. <clears throat> and then I, Jamal Murray, bigger, stronger, faster than Schroeder and D'Lo. 
So I give him the, the slight edge there. Actually, more than a slight edge. Fuck, Jamal Murray's a beast when he's on. Uh, and then who, who the fuck's going to guard Michael Porter Jr.? Dude, I, I, I believe you that all those things are true. But, like, don't start with unbiased. You clearly hate the Lakers. You're desperate for the Lakers to lose. LeBron winning another championship is worst case scenario any year for you. But I, I just think the man, the Lakers are possessed. The Denver Nuggets have proven over and over again that they find a way to lose these series eventually. And maybe this is their year. But the way AD and LeBron are going, I'm going with the Lakers, man. Well, you better cross your fingers and that they stay healthy. I don't even like the Lakers either. I know. Like... No, I think... I just think it's the way it's going down. Reeves, Schroeder, D'Lo, guys are stepping up when necessary. Lonnie Walker stepping in and winning a game for them last last series. Like, they do what they got to do. They lock in on defense as well, man. So I think I think the magic runs out this series. That was so frustrating watching, like, each one of their role players go off in a different game. The Lonnie Walker game was just... That was a sick joke if I've ever seen one. And... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think top to bottom, the Nuggets are ready. Bro, 2020, the Lakers beat them in the conference finals. But that was like a young, up-and-coming, coming-together Nuggets team. The last two years, Jokic was basically in the playoffs by himself. His boys were, like, Jamal was injured, right? This is going to be his time. He has to prove it. Yeah, this He's got all his guys there. Exactly. There's no excuses for Jokic and the Nuggets this series. And they got a big test in front of them. KCP's, so I can't wait to watch. KCP is going to lock down that scrub fucking Austin Reeves. <clears throat> oh, can't wait. Austin Reeves is a gamer, man. He's a gamer. <laughs> Moving to the East, the Heat get the job done against the Knicks. I honestly thought the Knicks were going to be able to pull it out, man. And I think it was last week I said that we haven't seen the best of Jalen Brunson yet. The man's a superstar. Since I said that, 32, 38, and 41 in the final three games of the season. He did the best he could. He needs more help. But obviously, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, too much to overcome. Bam, out of bio. The Heat are going back to the conference finals, man. Bruv, first of all, Dallas... That whole organization is just kicking rocks, man. Yeah, Even though the Knicks mistake. are eliminated. Who the fuck would have thought Jalen Brunson would be putting up the Doncic-style stat I, I lines did. in round two while the while the Mavs are at home with Kyrie at, wanting a big contract? Like, actually insane. Uh, hats off to Jalen Brunson, man. You, That's your guy. You've believed in him all year. And he's made you look like a genius. Um, shouts to the Knicks, man, for real. That was an impressive season. I think they should be happy. I feel like Julius Randle, I don't know if, how far you can keep going with him as one of your main guys. But uh, all in all, Brunson, just a, yeah, a nice building block. I think he had 14 field goals in that game. And the rest of the team, or maybe the rest of the starters, had 13 or something. Uh, heard, saw some wild stat like that. Um, but yeah, fuck. Unfortunately, Celtics uh, Sixers game hasn't happened yet at the time of this recording. Let's give a little prediction. Who's going to look like a jackass on Wednesday? I say the Sixers get the job done. It's going to be tough going into Boston, but this is the year of Joel Embiid, and we need to see him in the conference finals. 
Dude, a Jokic and Bede finals at this point with the teams left is my dream finals. Um, as much as I love the Heat, I just don't think they're realistic contenders. Um, I'll be rooting for them for sure, especially if they're against the Celtics. But uh, they need to go get themselves Dame this summer or something wild like that because I would hate to see Jimmy Butler's career, like his prime kind of come to an end on a team that never really had a real shot. Uh, he needs some reinforcements. But sorry, I, as much as I wish you're right or hope you're right about the Sixers, I feel like taking that gut punch, having a lead in the fourth at home, and then Tatum, who was 0 for 13 in the first three quarters, uh, catching fire at the end of that fucking game drove me crazy. Man, Embiid didn't touch the ball for the last like three minutes and 55 seconds. And I was actually driving on the 401, but listening to it on my phone. And then I was in traffic. So I, I watched for like a minute. Uh, Mom, I hope you're not listening. And uh, you better hope the cops ain't listening. <laughs> Yo, I looked down. There was like three minutes left or something. I see Maxi take a step back three at the end of the shot clock, like a hero three bad shot. Boom. I think Tatum goes down, hits a three and then. Or I, I can't remember what happened on that end, but then come back, Harden, end of the shot clock, step back three, miss. And it was still like a tie game or a two-point game at that point. And I was like, they just lost the game right there. Like, you can't... The fucking Celtics are cockroaches, man. They never, they never die. They're so hard to blow out. And watching those two horrible step back threes when it was like time to create... I think the Philly was up two, actually. And uh, I was like, oh... Like, you should be up five points right now or four points, but you're taking hero step back threes right now. And then I had to put my phone down and then I checked the score again and they lost by like eight or whatever it was. Just fucking brutal. And I don't think they're going to be able to overcome that as much as I hope I'm wrong. I think the Celtics close them out at home, which is exactly what they did last year against the Bucks. Tatum went, except Tatum went crazy last year in game six in Milwaukee when they were up 3-2 and then took it back to Boston and closed them out. You will see. So you got Celtics moving on to face the Heat. I got the Sixers moving on to face the Heat. Who are you taking in that series? Whether it's the Celtics or the Sixers, man. We need the prediction now. Are the Heat moving on or is it one of the other two? The... Celtics are moving on. If Philly gets there, I think the series would actually be interesting. We've seen uh, Miami beat Philly a couple years ago and Jimmy Butler's revenge. And uh, I'm just... Let me put it this way. If the Lakers win in the West, then I'm actually rooting for the Celtics to make it because I think they have the best chance to beat the Lakers. But I think the Lakers could beat Philly and definitely the Heat in the finals. So I'm gonna be the biggest bandwagon to be fan. Good for you. I'm gonna be jumping from wagon to wagon. What do you, like that's no difference. You're always a bandwagon fan. <laughs> I don't even know what team are you actually the most. Um, what team do you carry the most fandom for? Like, what team do you lock in for year in year out? The Warriors. Huh. And what if Steph were to leave? Uh, no, in any sport. In any sport. Yeah, I mean, fuck. I love the. That's a tough one, man. 
I don't have. You don't have a single team. I don't. Yeah, I don't really like. I just love certain players. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, I'm always gonna have a soft spot for the Raptors for sure. And uh, a soft spot. It's your hometown team for crying out loud. Uh, sorry, I'm always gonna love the Raptors and like root for them Jesus in the playoffs. H. Um, in the playoff. Oh my. God. I don't. Wait. Do you watch a bunch of Raptors games? The year they won, I watched every single one for some reason. But I would never cheer for another, like, actually cheer for another team. I have no choice. I'm from Toronto, born and raised. Yeah, well, I wasn't born here, so that's my uh, that's my oh. out. I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan. No, you're that's not. That's my number one team. You can't name a single player on that team. You want me to name a player on the Canadiens? Yeah, without going on the internet. Go. Patrick Eliash. No, you know he's never been on the Canadiens. Is that actually you know a player? It's one of your devils. Oh, fuck. Um, all right. <laughs> Fucking hell. Jerome Aginla. No, he, no. he's Calvary. Um, Nikolai Habibulin. <laughs> See what I'm saying? All right, whatever. Your team Let me go back in the day. Patrick Roy. Yeah, and he fucking stormed his way out of there, too. That's my guy. All right. Honestly, I'm too shaken up to even get into the NHL talk. These guys are coming at me in the goddamn post office. Everyone's back in Florida for some reason, and no one's even fucking from there. <laughs> the Leafs are out. The NHL season's over. Let's just say I'm going to put my faith in the Dallas Stars. Whoa. It's going to be my new team. What's up yeah. with the Oilers? Out of, out of left field. Are they the last the Canadian Oilers team? are heading into, I think it's game seven. Oh, versus nice. Las Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, my Golden Knights? It's been back and forth. No, no. There's been suspensions. There's been huge games. Bro, it's, the uh, Knights are up 3-2 right now, and they're playing tonight. Oh, Jesus. Oh, shit, it's Tyler's Oilers birthday. fighting for their lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Mother's Day here. Sunday afternoon. I got to get the hell off this microphone, man. <laughs> Damn, my Devils lost 4-1. Fuck. Yeah, they got actually spanked. Team of the future, the Devils, though. Let's go, Devils. Another one of my teams. That's going to wrap up episode nine. Three more to go. Let's get a crack and go see you next week. Go Vegas Knights. Go Vegas Knights.